Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, the Hapabore of our tribe. This is uh, where we uh, get together and talk about news, talk about our thoughts on Star Wars, and uh, also have some fun games. And with me, as always, is Joseph Scrimshaw. I am happy to be at the trough with Finn in the Hapabore. I love that scene. It's a great scene. You know, that one feels like Star Wars to me. It really does. You see a big old Hapabore butt, and you say, this galaxy is gritty and real. It's far, far away. Jennifer Landa is out getting some much-deserved relaxation, um, and I think I think we got sufficient answers from her, Joseph, on her secret target Star Wars campaign. Yeah, yeah, we got all the details. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, guys, uh, as always, based on a recording schedule, sometimes these shows are uh, uh, front and center, very timely, and sometimes they're taped way ahead. This one, uh, so this this one's uh, relatively in line, Joseph, with the week of news, so we want to take some time to talk about the Star Wars news and give our responses to it. There's a lot of sources for Star Wars news, a lot of podcasts, a lot of websites, a lot of web blogs and web zones. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man is, shoots Star Wars news right. out of his body or his devices, depending on which version of Spider-Man. Yeah, you can go over 
favorites of bros. No. Um, <laughs> but this is our take on the news, Joseph, and there's there's some interesting stuff going on, uh, as always, but uh, there's some stuff I, I'm glad we get to talk about this week. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the first thing I think a lot of people have been talking about is some more Han Solo casting, some more young Han Solo casting, uh, that they're casting a female lead of, uh, of some type, a lot of mystery about it. And sources tell Variety that Selma and Creed star Tessa Thompson, Power Rangers, Naomi Scott, and from Mad Max Fury Road, Zoe Kravitz all tested in London recently for the female lead in the yet untitled project because this movie is not going to be called Young Han Solo. Not. Young Han Solo in Mystery Lady. <laughs> Great title. That won't be the title. Uh, but a lot of people are thinking that this is going to be Han's wife from the comics, which you know more about than I do. Sana Solo, or actually Sana Staros, I believe is uh, her name. Uh, S-T-A-R-R-O-S. Okay. It sounds Star Wars enough. Sana Staros. Sana yeah. Staros. Staros. Sana Solo, though, does have a... It's the way I say it. You can say Sana Solo, too, I guess. That's the best thing about Star Wars names. You don't know until 30 years later when the Battlefront uh, DLC content comes out and you'll learn yeah. how to say it. I might just call you Kane sometimes. Sometimes Ken, sometimes Kane. <laughs> it works. Um, I uh, am excited by this news. I like this news. It's not a surprise. I think we had heard that there definitely was going to be a female lead, but yeah. uh, it just made sense. The connected nature of the Star Wars universe now. Things that are appearing in the comics should appear in the movies in my mind to some degree. Keep right. those space whale ships out of my movies. <laughs> um, Santa Solo, uh, Santa Staros is an interesting character. Um, she's a uh, woman of color, which I, at first made uh, some waves. Uh, you know, not as much. I think more people were upset that she said she was Han Solo's wife. Yeah, um, which is good. Um, but people on the internet, they have plenty of anger in their hearts. Plenty, plenty of they anger in their hearts. Put it around, around over two topics, right? Two topics, and that they did. <laughs> um, but what was interesting is when when she said she was married. It was, it was people were more upset that uh, that made Han a, a really a real scoundrel. Yeah, not just a cool one. Yeah, and like maybe cast aspersions that he didn't just need to get rid of that bounty, he needed to get a divorce so he could, you know, <laughs> right. marry Leia. And- right. I don't want to spoil the story incomplete, but it turns out, eh, maybe that's so true, not so much yeah. true. Um, if you haven't read the line, it's in the main Star Wars line. I, I definitely recommend you look it up. But that character has gone on, Sana's gone on, and is an intriguing character, an exciting character, and a different, um, just a different uh, uh, additional flavor to the Star Wars universe yeah. that I'm really happy is in this movie. I, 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 I'm hoping it's Zoe Kravitz. Okay. Tessa Thompson killed it in Creed. At Selma. Naomi Scott, not as familiar with it. Um, also, she's, Naomi Scott is, uh, is, uh, of uh, 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 she, she's not black to, to be brunt, and, okay. And, uh, and and I just see Santa Solo as as that character. I would okay. hate, I don't want them to take it suddenly on the big screen to t- look any different. So maybe this isn't the character. Okay, yeah, or, or it could be mixed r- reports that they're casting right. for two roles. Right. Uh, or they don't know uh, what's going on. Could be. Inter- if I mean, they, is- allow, they allow two women leads in films now? Good. <laughs> good. We've, no, we're good. Just the one central one. Just the one. And then okay. a bunch of dudes. We're working on yeah, that. Yeah, we're working on, on that. Uh, slowly but surely. So from the timeline offered by the comics, if the mm. character that they're casting is Santa Solo, mm-hmm. uh, what does that tell you about when this movie would be set? Because in, in theory, we've seen her adventures after A New Hope, right? Yeah. 
So yeah. does, does it give you any hint of like, this is five years before New Hope. This is six months before New Hope. I think it could be closer to New Hope than a lot of us are comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is, again, the reason she said she's his wife had to do with this kind of event and it's kind of a thing, kind of a, it was a purpose behind it. Okay. They had pretended or something like that. Um, and that it gives me the feeling that this isn't going to be a Han Solo in high school. Um, yeah. Eisenreich's name is, um, is uh, uh, or age is, it puts this movie in a certain time frame, too, yeah. if they play along with that. Again, Harrison Ford, Han Solo, same person, 30 at the time of New Hope. And uh, Aaron Reich is close to that. Yeah. So if it is Sena, yeah, it's uncomfortably close to New Hope. It adds more fuel to the fire that they're leaving a little wiggle room to be like, well, if people don't like a Star Wars story standing alone, uh, mm-hmm. this Hansel adventure could connect to Rogue One. Yes. So it seems to add weight to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. I like Zoe Kravitz, but I don't have any strong opinion, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. just I'm excited to see more cool young actors. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on on that bit of news? Uh, other than I mentioned over on Shmo's, no, it's it's interesting. You know, the times we're in, it's important um, with Lando, with this character, and you can even say Chewbacca. There's three. Uh, there's some diversity in the exactly. Star Wars cast <laughs> in the young Han Solo movie, and that's that's intriguing and that's good. And I like I like that they're making this decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we are getting closer to the point where there is so much news about diversity mm-hmm. that it, there's going to be less and less to be angry about because I think it's pretty mm-hmm. soon going to be like people yelling at the sky of just like. It's right. a thing that's there, that right. it is not an assumption that everything being cast and led is right. a white dude, and anything that disrupts that is something to be commented on, just right. like you wouldn't go, hey, grass, yeah, like, because exactly. it's just a part of the yeah. world we live in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, hope we, I hope we get to that grass-shouting paradise I think of in my mind. Uh, the next bit of news it comes from Dave Filoni. Uh, he did an interview. One of the things that came up, he, he said a lot of fun things about his kind of whole history and mm-hmm. building, spending 12 years of his life building Clone Wars, going to Rebels and how much they're connected and how much they're not. But he was directly asked about the connection between Rebels and Rogue One. And he blatantly said, like, hey, look, man, I'm on the inside. Of course I've been preparing for Rogue One. Of course Rebels has been preparing for Rogue One. It was a very friendly Duh, kind of a response. Uh, it, but he focused mostly on the visual. He described mm-hmm. how they wanted Rebels to start out as bright and colorful. Mm-hmm. And then they were seeing that visually Rogue One is going for this very grim, gritty, dark look. And that he was definitely planning to bring the two together visually. That right. because of its nature as a, as a cartoon, as an animated series, that Rogue One would always be a little bit brighter. Sure. But he was definitely bringing them together. And in, in there was a little bit of ambiguity of whether he was talking, I think, just about the visual or if he was talking about the story. But I felt, my interpretation is that he was absolutely implying, of course, we're going to bring the narrative strands together. Absolutely. And, and look... Again, and I feel we should address, we, we talked about Rebels last time on our last episodes, and, uh, you know, I think our audience reacted uh, nicely. It's the way we, we like our Force Center community. Uh, you and I and Jennifer aren't, aren't as the huge fans of Rebels as maybe other people are, and guess what? That's okay yeah. for both sides. And we had some great tweets about people saying, hey, I, I, it's a shame you don't like it because I, I can watch it with my kids and watch it and all that. Um, so, but what, one thing we've always said is we do trust Filoni and team. Yeah. They're not idiots. Yeah. Like you said, it, it is a kind of a duh, we know what's going on. Um, and it, one of the things that rubbed me the wrong way for a season of Rebels, it was so bright. Yes. 
It was really bright. Way it was bright. like they had invested in big orange, like yes. the color orange. Like they mm-hmm. owed money to the color orange, and they had to use it. It was like the character Sabine was the character I love, but I I couldn't see that in the Star Wars universe because it yeah. was just a bunch of spray painted orange. So you're right. Which I yeah, and I, I really like her yeah. whole spray painting shtick. Yeah, uh, and, and again, it's so so I like this, and, and again reminds us, especially on the outside. Don't worry, there's people on the inside. <laughs> um, we, may not, we may not like that Star Wars is made as a committee as much now. I yeah. mean, we're not saying don't like, but it is, it's apparent. <laughs> there's a lot of conference room discussions on the Star Wars now. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is also shows that the, it's a good side to that. Cut to Kathleen Kennedy yelling, I am not a committee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wanted to also use this mm. as a way to talk about just a quick reaction to, mm. as we're recording the most recent episode of Rebels, yeah, which was the Holocrons of Fate, which right. I enjoyed a lot more. Yeah, partially because tying to this conversation about the connection between Rebels and Rogue One, I feel like I got the confirmation of a thing that I personally have always wanted out of Rebels, mm-hmm. which is the assurance that we are not stepping on the story of Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. in the idea that he is the New mm-hmm. Hope. Right. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen the, this episode of Rebels, the big spoiler warning here, awooga, awooga, space noises. <laughs> the Death Star is backing up as a spoiler alert. Uh, the idea that the whole point of getting this holocron information was finding out how to end the Sith and then yeah. what Ezra and Darth Maul or Maul, Maul appeared to see is Tatooine. Right. In that. The answer that the truth of the galaxy, the truth mm. of the will of the force that's in these holocrons that was mm. hidden in a Sith temple is you got to wait for Luke. Right. And that to me is just like, all right, and then I'm then I'm much more interested mm. in hearing the tale of these uh, heroes who are destined to have a certain amount of success. Right. But could never just be the same as Luke. Right. It's. Yeah. It's deep. It was a deep episode. I loved it a lot. Yeah, not just because it showed that Obi Wan's alive. Yeah, and that was the other yeah. big thing, which we of course again we knew, but for Maul to learn it. it cool. Yeah, when it's also well, I, I wanted to talk about that moment with you yeah. too because I know that yeah. you are also a uh, lover of Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> oh yes, a a great great hoper of Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi uh, getting a film starring Ewan McGregor, yeah. and I felt elated and disappointed at the same time because I'm thrilled. Just the the nerd joy of Darth Maul saying he's alive and rushing off to do something about it, Mm -hmm. which makes me feel like we're going to see that in Rebels, which, great, we get to see it, but it also makes me feel like there's no rush on the film side to make an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie if that central a part of his story is going to be told in Rebels. I agree. Yeah, it seems like we might get it in animated form. We want it in, um, you know, I, 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 I'll take it in any form, I suppose. Yeah. Some of the comic stuff's been great uh, with Obi-Wan on the on uh, Tatooine by himself. But yeah, wouldn't it be cool to see an updated, bring back Ray Park, put some robot legs on him, and have him face off with Kenobi in the yeah. desert? Yeah. I don't even need Darth Maul to fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi right. in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just that they between those comic episodes and mm-hmm. if there is a big battle royale in Rebels, it's yeah. starting to you know scratch away at what narrative is left mm-hmm. for Obi Wan to be in hiding and to do yeah. something interesting. Yeah. So so bittersweet, isn't it? but cool, but bittersweet. Yeah. Going back to to what you were talking about with the the twin sons and the vision of Luke or the vision of Tatooine. Um, any predictions? Or uh, I'm putting you on the spot here about about uh, how this ends for Ezra. 
they, you know, you can throw a Snoke theory in if you want, <laughs> but um, where they might be taking that? You know, somebody posted, I think, on our Facebook mm-hmm. that he becomes a bounty hunter, and mm-hmm. I liked that. Uh, hmm. I thought that was an interesting one. I think Kanan seems like the kind of uh, character that a noble death is great for him. Totally. In that... Has Kan-, to happen yeah, like Kanan, absolutely. That takes care of him. Noble death doing something amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but Ezra is a little bit more of a problem. I, I would be happy if he went off into these faraway mm-hmm. places that, that, ha- that keep getting mentioned just a little bit sure. in all the canon novels, uh, like... That Jakku is near the edge of known space. Right. I'd be happy. I know it's a little bit of a just a stalling, but I'd be happy to have Ezra go off to unknown space. Oh, yeah. Because then that still leaves open the, oh, it's confirmation that he's Snoke. <laughs> and like, yeah, but no, it's not at all. It's a fun teaser of just right. like he goes, he goes away. Right. I, I could see that happening. I definitely agree with you. If we're, if we're talking Rebels predictions, Kanan's got to go. It's part of that journey of that story. Yeah. Um, and it would make sense. Um you know, Sabine and Hera, there's, you know, what happened to them, you know, almost, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it's like they could filter into the, the galaxy as we know they it. They can live into the galaxy without yeah. disrupting the narrative. The narrative. Kanan and Ezra disrupt the narrative. Because they're, they're Jedi, essentially, yeah. you know, I mean, they are. Um, and getting more and more powerful. Yeah, and and more central, more on them, Empire's radar screen. So uh, that would the fact that, uh, yeah, there's some ramifications. If, if Vader's already dealt with, you know, maybe, yeah, he's got, there's some Jedi that survived and he's got to go around and kill him, but... You know, when he runs into Luke, it should have some weight that, well, why does this guy have the Force? I thought yeah. they are all gone. So, uh, Kanan going, I don't think they'll ever end the animated show on Disney XD with, with Ezra dying. No. Um, so, you're, you're riding off into the sunset idea, I'll buy into. Yeah. He goes and finds the Yuzon Vogue or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Or maybe, uh, this. I don't think anybody's ever done it before, you know, Ahsoka has left the Jedi Order, mm-hmm. but I don't think they've ever done the, like... You know, the Force is like a drug, and every time, sure. I, you know, I can't use it just a little. I yeah. use it a lot. So maybe if he just also is like, I'm just going to go be a farmer, and I'm not going to use the Force ever again. Kind of like the end of Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for not as sad. <laughs> anyway. We hope. Uh, yeah, so any other thoughts on no, um, other than, that hey, episode the, of Rebels? Rebels has been great so far this year, uh, you know. Uh, uh, we can get nitpicky because that's the kind of cynical uh, internet uh, a-hole I am at times. But you know what? All I, all you out there who are enjoying it and listening to us, please continue to enjoy it. Yeah. And please continue to have faith that we'll one day fully enjoy Chopper. <laughs> I think I'm already there on Chopper. It's a couple other hurdles I need to get past. But Chopper, is, as soon as he got murdery, I was You're very there. happy. You're there. All right. Uh, here's a bit of kind of different news that we don't talk yeah. about as much on this show. So I thought it might be fun, especially knowing uh, some mm-hmm. of your background, Ken. Mm-hmm. There were some uh, rumors released uh, about the Star Wars rides being put in. Love it. Slowly but surely at Disneyland, they've started the excavation. Mm-hmm. It'll take 19 years, just <laughs> like the Death Star. <laughs> the Geonosians will be killed. Uh, but I'm just going to read this. Uh, so it said, this is the rumor about the Millennium Falcon ride. Codenamed Big Bird at Walt Disney Industries, the experience would involve moving between multiple pre-show theaters, setting up the plot, and what tasks you must complete once you board the Falcon and launch into space. And if you fail at your assigned tasks, a happy ending is not a guarantee. So that's a little uh, preview Hmm. of the Millennium Falcon ride. Some of it not surprising. Yeah. If you've been to Disneyland, that's a, a, a standard tactic to have a really, really entertaining waiting line. Yeah. That feels yeah. like an experience. 
before four of you sit in a cockpit <laughs> at a time. One of them a stranger. <laughs> one of them a stranger. Shows single rider rebel line. Uh, yeah, and then I'll read the other one. We can talk sure. about it. And they say the Stormtrooper Battle Escape, codenamed Alcatraz, uh, Walt Disney Industries wants you to rush to your wireless and trackless vehicle and board and then disembark and reboard the vehicles on different levels of the massive ride building several times during the course of a long experience, all while under attack by stormtroopers. And there was a, a picture of this uh, as they were digging down into the ground. So this mm. this multi-level thing mm. underground where you get on again and you get off again. So I know that you have been to Disneyland many times. I go a lot. Being a California born yeah. and bred fellow. Yeah. Love Disneyland. I'm so excited for Star Wars Land. The first one, it's got me really excited. Um, I like that it's not a happy ending. I like multiple, like, Star Tours has multiple directions, but really it's the same thing. And and 80% of the time you get the same storyline, at least I have. Um, Sounds cool. Uh, I heard you get a chance to fly the Falcon. But, you know, my worry is, you know, am I always going to have to let the, you know, Someone the else fly little it. Kid. Yeah, yeah that you who's got to get fly on the Falcon? I want to fly the Falcon. Um, is that, is there a VIP ticket to guarantee that? Sounds cool. Stormtrooper, Stormtrooper. I'll say it right. The Stormtrooper Battle Escape has me worried, and I'm going to be blunt and honest here. Getting on and off a ride. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> Disneyland, like Vegas, uh, exposes a, a lot of America's eating habits. Yes. And um, the capacity of only 1,500 people through an hour, which is part of your notes here, half of Pirates of the Caribbean. This looks like I'm, I'm probably never going to get on this, right? Yeah, so that, yeah, that was the other part is that they said that the people working on it predicted that it would get 1,500 people through the rides <sighs> an hour, which is half of what Pirates of the Caribbean does right now. Yeah. And yeah, if, you, if everybody mm. rushes it at first... Yeah, they just get a real disappointing experience yeah. when you go to see Star Wars, and you just have to hang out and with Mister Toad all afternoon because <laughs> <laughs> there's no Star Wars to be had. I mean, it's, what I'd like is that it seems like they're really trying to make Star Wars Land special yep. and big, and um, have uh, different rides. And, and as Disneyland um, tries to adjust with the times, you know, you know, Mister Toad's pretty cool. Oh yeah, Alice in Wonderland's pretty cool. Yeah, Peter Pan. Some, you know, I'll still go on them every once in a while. I, I'm a big, big Disneyland fan. Um, but uh, I like, though, it definitely seems they're trying to immerse us in this world, and that's pretty cool. I like that. And it seems like they're trying to get that personal experience on a level that is the true fantasy of I am. I feel like I'm running from stormtroopers. Yeah, I am piloting the Falcon. Yeah, and that's great. I do want that experience. But I know I've only been to Disneyland once, but it was mm. within the last year for okay. my wife and I's anniversary. Oh, wow. I didn't this, know that was the first time. It was the first I time. I remember when you went. Okay. Yes, yeah, I'd great, never great. been. Uh, and it was a crash course. We collected advice. We got mm. some advice from you. Yeah, we got some advice right. from, uh, I got some advice from Mark Donica yeah. uh, over at Jedi Alliance. And, uh, and it was great because we did a crash course of like, we picked exactly where we wanted to go. We great. went to some of the newly themed Star Wars stuff. It was like right. the second day that they had had that, oh, yeah, that yeah. area that was the Hyper season Space of the Mountain. Force. Yeah. I went to Hyperspace Mountain. <laughs> and it was the, that exactly what you're saying, that fascinating attempt to make you feel like you are having your own unique experience right. while... Some lady is pushing her purse into your kidney sitting next to you, and some old man is accidentally smacking gum in your ear, and it's you are in just this swamp yeah. of humanity yeah. trying to have your unique personal experience where you can pretend you are the 
singular hero. <laughs> and it sounds like they are doubling down on that weird yeah. contrast. Yeah. God bless them. Uh, maybe Satan bless them if you're <laughs> certain beliefs on Disney. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm excited, though, man. Oh, man. We're going to have to go. Yeah, absolutely. The Stormtrooper Valor Four center field trip. I, that, that one sounds like a delightful yeah. possible mess to me, where you're having the most action in the world on the mm-hmm. ride. You're getting mm-hmm. to pretend to shoot at Stormtroopers, and then you stop in the middle of basically yeah. what's going to be like, what, Starkiller Base, yeah. uh, the Death Star, and then a 16-year-old teen who is working for minimum wage, (laughs) could you please get off the ride? (laughs) And that will interrupt the middle of you taking down the Empire of Force Order. You know what I want? This is a little off topic here, but two things pop in mind. I I know I'm more of a sports guy than you are, but there's things that you can still go to uh, fantasy camps. You know, you can go play baseball for a week like with a bunch of retired baseball players who are 70, but, you know, whatever. You could still kick your ass. You (laughs) can still go. And it's, you know, totally immersion. You can take batting practice and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I just watched uh, the first, I finally got around to watching the first episode of of HBO's Westworld. Probably one of the only people that didn't flip for it, but still good. I get it. Um, But you have that fantasy, this concept of, you pay big bucks to totally immerse yourself in fantasy. Yeah. I want a Star Wars fantasy camp. Yeah. I want to put on some 501st Legion quality Star Wars costumes and go fight in the forest. Yeah, have some have laser tag. Anima- yeah, laser tag, have some little animatronic Ewoks chomping at my feet, <laughs> some life-size to scale ATSDs, and uh, uh, that can, that's what I want. Yeah. That's I want that, I too. Want. I want to run behind a biker scout and tap him on the <laughs> shoulder, make him look the other way, and go, hey! I would pay top dollar. <laughs> top dollar, I say. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that, too. I think that's a, a big part of the whole Star Wars experience, of the, the different ways that you can immerse yourself. Right. How can you express your love? And one of them is by taking the whole family to shoot at stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's a smattering of news, stuff we thought was fun. Mm-hmm. Move on to our, our main topic. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, let's talk. Let's do. Let's do it. Let's dive on in. I think one of the things out there in the Star Wars universe that's uh, kind of big and exciting and kind of uh, popped up here in the last couple of weeks is that uh, Red Letter Media put out their review of The Force Awakens and Star Wars and the state of fandom in general. Yeah. And Mr. Plinkett returned, uh, one of the all-time great internet characters. Um, one of the uh, the first review uh, helped change the landscape of film, as they said in the, uh, the video himself. I'm happy to be a part of Team Bros No and a former uh, alum of the Popcorn Talk, uh, Popcorn Fart Movie mm. Podcast, as they called it on the show. Um, so we're not going to break it down necessarily go through. It was a no. long thing. But you watched it, all of it too, right? I did. I watched uh, all of it this morning. This morning? Yeah. Oh, it's fresh for you. I it popped it up. Last Sunday on the uh, the Apple TV and just kind of went at it. Yeah, uh, watched it there. Um, Did you watch it all at once or in bits? I and watched pieces? it all at once. Yeah, like it's almost two hours. Yeah, I just watched it. <laughs> um, dove in. So, whew. yeah. I mean, I go, go ahead. I want to start going a little bit back to the first one. I yeah. love the Phantom Menace review, and as much as I've grown to accept the prequels, I can always go back to that series, and occasionally I do and watch just because one I want to giggle at Protagonist. But um, what's your what was your reaction in time to that? As as I don't again, I don't want to call you a prequel defender. That's kind of a, yeah. That's kind of not really what you are. You're a pre- <laughs> prequel appreciator. But I, yeah. I, I want to take you back to that one when that came out. Yeah, I think that it. Yeah, I think it both uh, elevated the discussion mm-hmm. about the prequels and combined it with some weird dark humor, which right. we can talk about talk if we want. Yeah, uh, but I feel like. I mean, certainly in this review, he takes credit and Red Letter Media takes credit for creating this huge world of media talking that I call it. That right. is everything that, yeah. that we're all involved in and have friends involved in. Uh, everything from Bro's Nose to, you know, 
mm-hmm. popcorn gang fart or whatever <laughs> it's called. Uh, but in terms of the specific Phantom Menace review, mm-hmm. I think it was it, it coalesced all of the just geek rage mm-hmm. about disliking Phantom Menace right. into more intelligent breakdown. And I think yeah. that's why people exploded for it because it was sort of a two quadrant thing. It was yeah. the most intelligent critical examination of why there were so many things we disliked in the Phantom Menace. Right. And then on the same time had this weird dark humor. Right. Uh, so I certainly, I appreciated it and mm-hmm. I got stuff out of it and I agreed with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I still agree with some of the points. Sure. But I don't agree with the conclusion for myself. Right. So I agree with all the critiques. But I think part of my whole prequel defense into our appreciation came back around to way back reading, you know, almost two years now, reading Chris Taylor's book and realizing, uh, yeah, Lucas is nutty, but this is what he always wanted to do. Right. This was not just a response to the George Bush administration. Mm -hmm. He had Mm -hmm. notes about making fun of the Nixon administration. Right, right, right. 30, 40 years ago. And that's part of what made me appreciate the movies better is like that this is what he wanted to make. Maybe not a good idea. Right. Certainly not executed well in parts. Right. But this is what he always wanted to do. Right. And we just didn't want it. And it did, yeah, our expectations. It didn't match up to our expectations, yeah. Um, and, yeah, again, the, the, the first Mr. Plinkett review, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a course in screenwriting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's so well done. And, and then, uh, you know, I, I was almost dreading The Force Awakens one. I knew it was coming. <laughs> Luckily, and it only comes an hour and ten minutes it, into this. Into it. Yeah. But, and that's kind of where I want to dive into this. Okay. I know you and I are big fans of Force Awakens, which yeah. doesn't mean we think it's perfect. Um, but I, I bristled a little bit when I saw it came out because I thought, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to watch them tear apart this movie. Yeah. And I kind of felt they didn't in a way. I don't think they did either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so the the main critiques that he comes up with mm-hmm. are breaking down the similarities, mm-hmm. the unnecessary similarities. He brings up the idea that it does feel like a fan film, mm-hmm. like it was made to check off boxes that weren't even just narrative, but like certain feelings boxes, certain yeah. Star Wars memories. Yeah, uh, and then he takes it to task for not having a romance and saying that that makes it feel less human. Mm-hmm. And then there's that really weird uh, diversity section mm-hmm. where he's not quite making a joke. He, it, it seems like he is briefly trying to make the argument that little kids don't care about diversity. But that one really felt to me like, what's, what is your point? Yeah, yeah. Like, great. Yeah. Th- th- there are a lot of things that kids might accept because they're not fully right. grown adults who are ready <laughs> Yeah. To be internet to commentators about movies. Yeah. Yeah, they accept a lot of things, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the diversity thing to me was like, it was it felt really half-baked and was half trying to be a criticism and half trying to be a joke, which yeah, yeah. is what spot. they do. Yeah, which is exactly what they do, and then and, and they, yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought, so I thought it was, so I felt relieved in a way. Yeah. Up top, right up almost top. He says, hey, this, you know, this movie's serviceable. Yeah. Uh, um, and I liked, I liked what, uh, some of the ideas for story they put into it. Yeah. That was I, actually good. Yeah, I liked his breakdown. Yeah. Okay. We can fantasy 
storytell and fantasy book, as you call it in wrestling, all day. You know, uh, we all could do that. We all are creative people and have ways we want the story to be told. But uh, so it was fair. It was it was it's fair to put that out there. But hey, uh, the, so up top, I was like, okay. I can still feel good about liking The Force Awakens. Yeah. And, uh, not that I changed my opinion, but just, uh, you know, you want to be like, uh, yeah, I like, I like everyone to be happy in the Star Wars community. Right, right. And I feel they were. Yeah, and I feel like he... Uh, so do you want to talk about the, the lack of romance I criticism? do, because we've discussed that. Yeah. Um, and it did, it was glaring. Mm-hmm. I mean, not glaring, not in a bad way, but it was very recognizable. Yeah. When we all saw Force Awakens. So you kind of were a proponent of that and leading that discussion. What do you feel? I feel uh, even more after watching this that I am happy with that choice because I feel like if there had been a blatant romance, that would have been another thing that people said, Mm oh, just like Luke and Leia are flirting or just like there's a little bit of a Mm -hmm, flirtation mm -hmm. triangle between Luke, Han, and Leia. Here we go again, you know, having that triangle. So I think if you had a blatant romance in there, you would have gotten even more criticism. Right. I also feel like it is people want fresh things in Force Awakens. Here's a fresh thing. Mm. There is a, a a great budding human relationship mm-hmm. between Ray and Finn mm-hmm. that is not about sex. And right. a man and a woman or a, any sentient species to another sentient species right. represent those can, twilights. Yeah, can have great and deep love mm-hmm. without it being a romantic thing. And I think that's a great thing to portray. And I, I, my first viewing, mm-hmm. when there was clearly this swelling of emotion between them that Finn had fought to come back to Starkiller Base to find her, I was like, please don't kiss. And I, didn't even, I wasn't even able to intellectualize why. why. Yeah. I just had that knee-jerk reaction in, my mo- in the moment. I think in retrospect, it's because it wasn't earned. Right. Because right. as we've talked about, they relate to each other because they're two people who haven't really ever dealt truly with other people. Mm-hmm. The people that have met are not necessarily right. going to be kind and sympathetic and encourage that kind of cheerleading that they do for one another mm-hmm. in the film. So it makes sense that they would just be a little bit awkward and confused. Right. And not just go right to like, well, maybe we should kiss, right. you know? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> John Williams' score says we should kiss now, so I right. guess we have to. We have Instead, to. it's this the relationship we've never seen before that's just built yeah. out of friendship, and it's fraternal. And there was the, the angle of, uh, you know, Han and Leia, that was uh, romantic and heartbreaking in its own way, too. Yeah. So you had kind of the the end of that romantic story from the other movies, too, playing out there in a different, more realistic tone. Yeah. The marriage didn't work. Um, so I agree with you too. There, it definitely wasn't earned. Um, so it's fair for uh, you know that moment would have been really unorganic. Yeah. Um, and maybe you know again, who knows? I think we're still getting some kind of romance later because it, it's a space saga. It has to. Yeah. Um, and I hope it's Finn, and I hope it's some uh, new character that we fall in love with our as an audience ourselves. So yeah. Uh, but again, it, um, it was a, it was a fair critique because we had noticed it too. But I felt. Um, the critique of it not making it human enough. I got the point. Yeah. I don't disagree with that, but I feel there was other... We got humanity in other aspects of Force yeah. Awakens and other little moments. It didn't have to come down to kissing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I, I feel like one of the arguments he makes about the lack of humanity and the lack of romance is also tied mm-hmm. up in his argument that it, Finn's purpose is difficult mm-hmm. to discern in the story. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, like, I think that's one... 
uh, one critique that I agree with on in a, uh, mm-hmm. uh, when I watch the film. Yeah, uh, I don't think Finn's character is pointless. No, but I feel like there the the even though everything at Maz Kanata's castle is fun, mm-hmm. it it's got this great energy up until Maz Kanata's castle, and then it slows down a little bit. And I think it's because it, it's a hero's journey story for Finn, Ray. And Han all at the same time. And Maz Kanata basically has to grab each of them right, and go, right. come on, step up. Yeah. Uh, so there is just, like, it's almost like the three stooges all trying to get through a doorway at once <laughs> where just their hero's journey stories all converge at Maz Kanata's castle. Right. And even though each individual beat is interesting to me, it, it does feel just like the film slows down a little bit. It does. That was, like I said before, that was my bathroom break point. Yeah. You know, just as long as you get back before Ray's vision, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I understand from a surface point, too, that you could take Finn out of a lot of the moments. Let's say he's not in the lightsaber fight. Um, let's say, you know, Poe crashes on himself, escapes himself, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say Finn wasn't necessary in those small things. But overall, to the story, I, I like what we have. And I like we have someone on the inside... I, I agree with the critique that maybe something else should have caused him to turn. Um, it, turn it was a fast turn. But again, right. I, we're not going to get to know. We wouldn't have gotten to know Finn behind the mask, Yeah. Um, behind, behind the helmet. I do agree his helmet came off too easily. Um, that was something I you know, still have a little problem with. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Finn, Finn, whether or not, I don't worry about whether or not he's necessary because I'm just happy he's there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And yeah. I do think that he is necessary to a lot of the the heart of the film and a lot of the comedy of the film, which yeah. they, they kind of go off, off of after it for being mm-hmm. too funny, mm-hmm. which is, mm. I, I feel like I disagree with that. Because mm-hmm. there was one specific line about, besides C-3PO saying things, some, there wasn't that much humor in the original trilogy. Like, the hell are you talking uh, yeah, about? Han Solo is... A font cracking. of one-liners. Yeah. Like, he is the king of the Star Wars dad joke. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that Je- same yeah. humor was captured. Jedi had a little bit more of the jokes, per se, versus yeah. character humor. Um, I can agree with that criticism if, if you're going to make that. But, yeah, Empire is pretty damn funny. Yeah. A lot of it because it's character-based humor. Yeah. Should Learn I get to, out and push? Yeah. yeah. Learn to write your sketches from a character point of view, kids, not just <laughs> go for the jokes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so what, were there other – I mean, he spends mm-hmm. a good chunk of time there at the end – half an hour, 35 minutes of this mm-hmm. hour, 45 minute thing on Force Awakens. Was there anything else in his criticism of Force Awakens that was powerful to you, that spoke to you, or anything you strongly disagreed with? Uh, no, because it was, you know what, because he spent so much time on the rest of it, which I was intrigued with and interested. I almost wish he'd done two. And um, again, I I just feel Force Awakens is good enough that, that you know, you couldn't go too deep into it. So I wasn't too deeply offended in anything okay. they were said or, or wanted to discuss. The, the soft reboot thing is annoying, and Hollywood yep. has that going on, and they're right on point with that. But, but Force Awakens is an example of maybe how to do it right or better. Yeah. Certainly not perfect. So, no, I think they... They 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 went. Uh, I don't want to say soft. They were honest. Yeah. And uh, and if they had tore into it too much, uh, methinks doth protest too much. <laughs> um, because yeah. uh, you know, I'll give it to one of my screen junkie cohorts, Andy Signore. After he we saw the screening together, he said, "Look, if you hate that movie, you're you're just an a hole. You just want to not like it. Yeah. Because it's fun. At the end of the day, it's fun. And I think that they said that. Yeah. They, they, I felt." For them, these hardened cynics in Wisconsin, who I can assure you, from being on phone calls, 
in a room with them, you know, uh, they don't give a damn. They don't care about the Hollywood machine. They're in Wisconsin and happy. Um, <laughs> they could have gone farther and torn into yeah. it. So I was happy with them. I've had the same experience with uh, with my brother, mm. who is his very has very strong mm. opinions. And mm-hmm. like we, when we saw Revenge of the Sith together, he's yeah. like, "Nope, the no that no ruined everything. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's a bad film. Throw it out because of that no." Yeah. And then he said the same thing about Force Awakens. I expected to hear kind of a laundry list of little critique mm-hmm. from him, and he just said. I I guess it you can dislike the Force Awakens if you just don't like have a heart or a soul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, not to say that people who don't th- those are my brother's words. Yeah, and I think yeah. there's plenty to critique, and there's always personal taste. But yeah, ultimately, it does have a lot of heart and a lot of soul and a lot of humanity. Absolutely. Uh, the other stuff with Lucas, though, in, the, in this, yeah, I want to go in that direction. Yeah, there is some really fascinating stuff there because I felt, uh, you know, the first vi- video, especially the Phantom Menace, the Phantom, Phantom Menace one is what put them on the map. They did review Clones and Sith, but it's not as it's it's good, but it 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 didn't cap didn't have the traction as right. the first one did. Um, I felt that one was part of the uh, you know uh, public assassination of George Lucas. <laughs> yes. That we all dive on to, and I'm glad there's a little bit of a stop and appreciate George movement. Yeah. Um, this one was interesting because it, it, I, in a way, thought they it shed a positive light on George, but in a weird way. I don't it know. ultimately did come <laughs> down to, I love that in the Force Awakens section, mm-hmm. you and I were talking about right before we started recording, kind of came around to a viewpoint that we've discussed of, mm-hmm. well, when you get upset that Star Wars is now being made by this whole team of people, right. that at least it was truly human when it was the product of this just strange man's mind. Yeah. And he would just, you know, like he was, like the midi chlorians were speaking to him, just like, <laughs> no, it has to be this design. They have to have long right. necks because that is the right way. Yeah. Versus a team of people, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it was interesting they came back around to that, like, well, at least the prequels were... The weird product of this weird one dude. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, especially even in the early uh, section where I mean, he spends a lot of time kind of taking down or at least criticizing the ring mm-hmm. theory. He doesn't do a total assassination job right, on right, the right. prequel ring theory. Yeah. A little bit more of an assassination job on millennials defending the right, 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 which is weird because we're now in that category, but definitely not millennials. We are not millennials, <laughs> but a defender. I, I was a little braced to see a, a photo of myself like, this asshole. <laughs> this guy went on the Popcorn Fart Movie podcast. <laughs> uh, these two assholes liked the prequels and became friends and started their own podcast. <laughs> Anyone can have a podcast and talk with authority. Uh, yeah, so... So the, it did seem like there was a lot of sort of re, he was reacting to the reaction mm-hmm. to his reaction. Yeah. But the early stuff with George Lucas's uh, most recent Star Wars mm-hmm. comments, which is his divorce, mm-hmm. as he described it, from Disney. And selling it to white slavers. Sorry, white slavers. <laughs> quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. <laughs> oh, a little bit of a misstep there, George. Oh, George. Oh, George. Uh, but uh, the Red Letter Media in the mm-hmm. Plinkett character's reaction to Lucas almost did feel like, oh, you go, bad boy. You're out yes. there saying crazy crap now. Yeah. You're divorcing them. You're mad because they wanted to put out this factory thing and you wanted to go crazy. Oh, we have a little bit more respect for you then. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that turn of events. And I am, and I've had this discussion around the office at work. Everyone coming out of that, uh, we've had discussion before, but everyone coming out of that Plinkett review was like, I want to see George's seven. Mm-hmm. I want that script to emerge somewhere or that treatment to emerge somewhere. Yeah. 
I gotta get that feeling I like. And I hadn't really paid attention to that particular interview where George is like saying, eh, you know, they, they want they want a nostalgia show. I wanted to make a new movie. Yeah. yeah. Um it's yeah, it is kind of like you don't don't forget and read the stories of George as a young filmmaker. That guy's a rebel. Yeah. Uh, and he never wanted to be part of the system. No. And I think that he is wrestling with his choices. I think he has that personal relationship of, I yeah. think he personally believes in and trusts Kathleen mm-hmm. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. It's a personal relationship. Shows her, yeah. But he still, from his earliest days, hates the machine. Right. And then when he kind of stepped back and is like, <laughs> here's my list of things I could call them. <laughs> I picked white slavers for some reason. For some reason. Oh, uh... Uh, yeah, so I mean, I I was getting kick. I'm gonna probably watch that part again. Some of the stuff, the close ups on his face, mm-hmm. <laughs> when Kathleen Kennedy's talking, and George just looks like he's like, whatever, whatever. Just pay me so I can give my money to charities. I'm out, <laughs> and, 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 and uh, I don't need you guys. Um, build some low income housing. Yeah, in places that rich people don't want it. Yeah. Yeah, and fight to get his museum made, and yeah, all sorts of interesting so stuff. I, I like, yeah, I like that they came around and defended it, him in a weird way. In a weird way. Still saying the prequels might have been batshit, but yeah. at least it was his. Yeah, and even when there, he was taking down the ring theory, uh, he, he kept saying, like, I don't think that George Lucas... Mm-hmm. It, George Lucas has not illustrated the level of preparation needed in order to do this ring theory. Because right. he seems to be guessing a lot, but yeah. even within that, it seemed to be like point out some of the the rhythms and uh, his, his famous poetry line of like yeah, and point them out in both good and bad ways. So like, well, here's a coincidence. Of course, two characters yeah. are going somewhere to do a thing because that's how many movies begin. Is yeah, two yeah, characters yeah. are going somewhere to do a thing, uh, but then you hear the other rhythms that maybe make sense. And yeah, I don't know. To me, it just like I, I will never think that the prequels were well executed. Right, but watching Plinkett's review just continued to remind me of like, if you were an uber Star Wars fan and you can get past some of the stiff dialogue and some of the stiff lines, Mm -hmm. that there's so much to think about and to play with. And like, was that rhythm intended? Yeah. Was that a good rhythm or a dumb rhythm? Did George pull that out of his ass on that day? Or is this something he's had scribbled down in a notebook since 1972? Right. To me, it just makes it more interesting to... To think about. Think about. There's a lot there. I get in those arguments. Uh, but you, of course, are cashing Disney checks on <laughs> oh, yeah. writing positive reviews. I forgot reviews. about that yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Do you think that was a serious accusation from Red Letter Media? I don't from think so. I Red don't, Fart Talkers? Red, or is that, yeah. uh, I, I don't think so. I think it could also be a little play on the uh, Marvel, Disney Marvel pay people. Yeah. We get that uh, at Screen Junkies a lot, that uh, Marvel's paying you that whole thing. And I can assure you. Not happening. Yeah. Um, so I think it might have been a fun little dig at that, but also commentary. But, you know, look, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of that stuff, I'm not with Disney, I'm accusing Disney of it, but that type of stuff could happen. Or Entertainment Weekly writes fluff pieces because the studios are paying him to write fluff pieces or something like that. That stuff might happen and could happen and, and in fact, probably does happen. But in this particular case, it's too far widespread. Yeah. Disney would be writing checks and someone would show them. That it would it would come out. Look at the look at my Disney check. And they don't need to. Most of these articles came yeah. out right uh, before, during, or after mm-hmm. uh, Force Awakens. Right, right. those kind of three month period. Right. And every poorly paid contributor, yeah, to a clickbait listicle site is saying, "How on earth can I get anyone to uh, click on yes. my Star Wars content?" 
Yeah. How about the most controversial Star Wars thing I can think of? You mm-hmm. know, the prequels were pretty good. So I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. And then there are just people like us who are like, well, we want to re-examine them because right. we do, because it's part of this. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of my favorite other, to me, uh-huh. telling things. He went on what was, a, I think, a mostly accurate rant about if the prequels are so good and, and so loved now, then why are they not showing up in any of the packaging, any of the mm-hmm. uh, products? Right. And he showed the series of products, and he's listing the, the characters that get merchandised. Yeah. Within that, there was a shot of Yoda with a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. That's the prequels. Yeah. Another shot where he's talking about only Chewbacca gets merchandised. Uh, showed a Chewbacca product that has Darth Maul on the packaging, mm-hmm. which in a way I thought that was like, I, I get your big point Yeah, that the classic characters and the new characters are going to be more popular and Disney is going to push them harder. But sure. within that, this is the truth of the prequels, yeah. is they have slipped in. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes to pick up a Chewbacca thing that they desperately want and go, but Darth Maul is on it, and that's right. from the prequels, which are crap, so yeah. I'm not going to buy it. So yeah. even if you don't like the films, even if yeah. you say, I will never sit down and watch them, and if I do, it'll cause me physical pain, I think if you're a big enough Star Wars fan, you have slowly accepted some things that came from the prequels. Slowly. Like the image of Yoda with a lightsaber. And like, well, Darth Maul came from the prequels. I love him in the Clone Wars and Rebels. So to me, that's the most telling thing of like, even if you just can't stand to watch them, you've still accepted them slowly but surely on some level. They're there. Yes. They're there like a fine (laughs) midi-chlorian mist (laughs) moving into your life. Moving into your life there. Uh, any any other elements of this review that specifically spoke to you? Nah, nah. You know, it was it was uh, it was fun. It was entertaining. I I don't uh, the shitting on JJ and George stuff was uh, yeah you know the right? literally yeah, yeah yeah literally. I think the other stuff was funny. I I I, I uh, and it's weird in these times with we're trying to be you know change how we view and joke and all those kind of things but i i do enjoy good dark humor i actually love the phantom menace stuff that he's this weird kind of creepy monster I, yeah I, i've actually I, I giggle at it whatever i can take it for what it is but yeah this one i was like yeah i was like get back to the review yeah get back to the review you know you, that wouldn't be allowed on a popcorn fart movie podcast <laughs> all right mike yeah the extended uh pizza phone yeah. sex sketch was not illuminating to me when it came to star wars no, no. Nah, nah. It was like, all right, you're bringing in JJ and George and fun. I, I, I watched. I've watched in full their video of the George unboxing salads. Oh, that that's on their channel. Okay, yeah. and is that the? Uh, is this, well, I don't know this. It's it's the 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 other guy. I forget his name. I apologize. Uh, who who who's on the. Uh, Red Letter, uh, yeah, um, does a George, and uh, yeah, and they just do an unboxing video. All you see is George's hands and his flannel covered arms, and he just unboxes different <laughs> salads, prepackaged salads, yeah, and it's uh, it's stupid, but it's funny, yeah. yeah, yeah. Check that out. That's that's our better George, yeah. And do you feel like uh, f- with the whole the bros know uh, yeah. early in their mm-hmm. their list of movie talking yeah. internet people they inspired that they created. <laughs> Uh, which I think they're saying with some tongue-in-cheek. Tongue-in-cheek, yeah. You obviously have a long and storied relationship with yeah. Schmozno, and those guys are our friends. Mm-hmm. Do you feel honored by that, or do you feel do you feel like their Red Letter Media is being totally tongue-in-cheek, or do you feel like they are having a little bit of a Dr. Frankenstein moment and saying, oh, God, what have we made? Uh, I, it, it, mixed, mixed. I, um, 
and I haven't talked to Christian Mark about this, but I, number one, it's like happy to be part of the team, you know, yeah. like it's funny. <laughs> and, and we know, we know the Schmoes gang is, is a certain kind of movie gang. We, we, uh, are kind of, uh, I, I take some offense at the term bro thrown at us, but we're, we are just kind of sports loving normal dudes and this and that. And we were nerds to some degree. I'm probably a little more nerdy than they were, but Christian Harloff is pretty freaking nerdy in his childhood, all right? Yeah. I've seen some videos. Um, <laughs> so we understand. We understand that we are the the guys' guys of the movie review world. We're not the uber nerds. So I, I, I the bros, bros know it's kind of funny to me. Um, the other ones, but it's weird. It's weird, but then it devolves. Like the popcorn fart movie podcast thing is kind of funny to me, too. We spent a lot of time over there at Popcorn Talk, and I never liked that name, Popcorn Talk. Um, wanted to be something else. But um, I'm so honored, but also at the same time, so I saw our name pop up and laughed and was honored, quote-unquote. But then yeah. I saw some of the other ones, some other people I, I, I have run into or worked with. And I was like, yeah, you give it to them. They're stupid. <laughs> and so it's like, all right, they're probably thinking about that too. Ah, yeah, stupid bros know. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some, uh, so it's weird. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, also, in, in point of fact, Schmoes began in 2007, by the way, um, podcast in 2011. So we were there first. We were there way before <laughs> the Phantom Menace thing came out. Um, but Screen Junkies wasn't. Honest Trailers came out after. The Phantom Menace thing came out after. Yeah. So um, I understand. But I, again, I don't know those guys personally. They couldn't pick me out of a crowd, but I've been on conference in, in, in the room when they're on the phone. Yeah. And, and um, they don't give a damn. So I don't know if I think they're probably amused that they started this. Maybe even want some credit, but I also don't think they give a damn. They don't care what they say, and they're, and they're, and they're nice enough guys. When the whole flub happened with Max Landis, where they attacked Max, and uh, Max went out to Wisconsin and spent time with them with the, was on their shows, and okay. um, they were all good humor, good spirits about it. Yeah, you know, it still took shots at Max to his face, and Max loves that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, it was weird. I'm happy to be happy to be mentioned. Yeah, we all are. I mean, I think that's a part of what this is, if you don't mind if I yeah. d- d- blather about comedy for just blather a second. Blather away. I've blathered too much. No, no, you don't. No, I, I think I'm taking the blathering crown because the, the P word of prequels keeps coming up, and then yeah. it's blather town for me. But in terms of comedy, the, like this is, uh, I took a class in college mm. that was about comedy theory. Right. Everything I've ever done in my life since I was about 18 years old is comedy. So I think a lot about this, and I think about it on different yeah. levels. I think the fascinating thing to me about the discussion of offensive humor or anything that challenges is it is tradition. It has always been a part of human culture. Every culture you look back at has some kind of court jester, some kind of sacred clown Mm -hmm. who said the things that shouldn't be said to release the tensions of society. Mm. And now we live in this age where we are all on the Internet all the time and we're all turning that spigot of comedy Mm -hmm. to release that tension. And if once a year in an agrarian society, somebody turns a spigot, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. If every day 800 assholes turn the spigot, theirs is not as much pressure. So the original point of making the offensive jokes, Mm. of having the catharsis of saying something that shouldn't be said, Mm. isn't there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it might be for an individual. You might have had a really stressful day at work that's where you're really buttoned down work, and then you come home and you see... A guy literally shit on George Lucas, and that might be your personal catharsis. Right, right. So I right. think it could still happen on a personal level. Sure. But on, like, on a cultural, societal level, right. I think that's the fascinating thing to me about stuff like Red Letter Media yeah. is it's not even like 30 years ago where 
a big political story happens, and you waited to hear what Johnny Carson or Saturday Night Live right. said, and those were your effing options. Right. Instead of two seconds later now, your dumb cousin from Idaho right. will post on Twitter, yeah. and he will make the same joke that Johnny Carson alone would have made <laughs> right. 30 years ago. So that, yeah. To me, that's what's really fascinating. So then you really start to have to, to me, for my personal mm-hmm. taste, then those jokes have to be really funny. They have to have an angle of satire. Yeah. So I personally, even though I've made many of them in my career, if not as engaged by offensive jokes for the sake of being offensive. Right. Because there's not that need for them. Need for Yeah. I, I love them if there's satire. Yeah. And I love them if there's, you know, if they're just the most clever joke that you've ever thought of is great. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really fascinated by, mm. by watching something like Red Letter Media, which I think is its own. Right sort of ring theory where it makes fun of itself sometimes in a way that is like, we are right and everybody else is wrong. And then in the next joke, it will take that all away by including itself in on the joke. And I think it's a, yeah, it wants to have its cake, eat it too, and then shit it out (laughs) all over the place. (laughs) And they do a great job. They do a great job of that. And I think, yeah. So I was curious how you felt. Yeah, given all all of those opinions that I have about the the bros and O's thing, if yeah. you felt like it was a, an attack or a yeah. come on in and we're all going to be idiots who talk about movies on the internet together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's it, it. I take it as a a a, a fun natured attack. Yeah, <laughs> a fun. That, that's a perfect way to say it. Fun Most natured of the internet attack. is a fun yeah. natured attack. attack. So that's our uh, that's our look at the uh, Red Letter Media review of the Force Awakens. Uh, it's very long. There's a lot to talk about. Yep. Again, at the end of the day, I, I think they got it right in the sense that uh, they didn't want to needlessly tear into it. I made some smart smart points as that team does. Wraps it up in a fun little package uh, and uh, includes pizza rolls. Yeah. What, what could you not like about pizza rolls? Pizza rolls. Um, we're going to move on, though. Uh, we're going to take some audience questions, uh, yeah. a couple of them. There's some yeah. fun ones, some questions I think we want to answer here as we yeah. wrap up this episode here in a few minutes. But uh, let's do it. Dive yeah. in. Absolutely. So Jamie Lynn on Twitter, at Jamie1776, or 1776, I guess, mm. says, Why the favorable reaction uh, to the Bendu character being so physically large when it was going to be a deal-breaker for Snoke? So I think that was not necessarily a general question. Mm-hmm. I think that might have been reacting to our episode where we all really like Bendu. We we like Bendu, and then it's a callback, Jamie. Good, glad you're listening to where we were uh, all in the agreement that if Snoke had been large, we might have gotten up and walked out of the Force Awakens. <laughs> that's right. Maybe that's saying too much, or maybe it's uh, overacting. I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, for me, Jamie, it's a great question. It's a fair question. I like them keeping us honest, Joseph. Um, Snoke is. It's in a movie, number one. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, I won't say the main villain, but it's the big mysterious baddie. And um, there's certain, he's a humanoid type creature. We don't know. He could be some burnt, scarred alien of another race. Yeah. I don't think he's human necessarily, but he's something. Yeah. But he's humanoid of nature. And in film, on on screen, in a movie theater, I want... Certain set of realism, certain set of rules. I know that seems, you know, I can accept the Rancor monster. I yeah. can accept Jabba the Hutt. But if Snoke had been 20 feet tall and some alien super race, and it, it would have taken Star Wars to another area. Uh, like you talk about the Star Wars sci-fi. Well, really, it's not. This is fantasy. Yeah. Um, but there's, I just like, I like the galaxy of certain rules and yeah. humanoid-centric rules. Um, the Bendu is... In an animated show, 
so it's believe more believable to me that there's weird things and creatures. Um, and um, he's also so foreign. Is he an elk? Is he a bear? Is he a man? Is, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Is he from the <laughs> Hobbit movies? I don't understand. Is he? Can people not see him? Does he fold up and he looks like a mountain? Is he yeah. from the Neverending Story? I don't know. <laughs> and so I can accept it easier. Yeah. Um, that's for me. If Snoke is running around twenty feet tall in a movie. Playing opposite Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to buy it as much, and I'm not going to be comfortable with that choice. But on screen, where I'm hearing Freddie Prinze Jr.'s voice as opposed to seeing him act, uh, I can accept some weird elk-like Jedi. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think you know the Bendu being kind of a part of that planet mm-hmm. and seemed to growing grow out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, great aesthetic, but the fact that he is a guide character, yeah, he's a mentor. So like me, great big. I think my knee-jerk reaction to Snoke being possibly large in that split mm-hmm. second that we all had yeah. was not just the aesthetic difference of he looks the Lord of the Ringsy. I immediately pictured Luke Skywalker fighting him. Yeah. And when I think of Luke Skywalker facing down against a, a, a big bad, I don't want him slashing at his knee like I have to do in a Legend of Zelda video game yes. when I'm playing the big bad. I want them to be face-to-face yeah. so they can have a personal reaction, not face to knee exactly yeah exactly but a great question yeah absolutely i I love that you're keeping us honest yeah okay so uh we'll do one silly one and then we'll move on uh this is from chris lilly uh chris lilly says uh at chris lilly nine he says han solo and poe dameron walk into a bar who gets the most phone numbers fair question fair question chris and i've been Mm -hmm. thinking about this um because i usually you know, if I walk into a bar with one of these two guys, I'm, I'm going to lose out to one of them right away. So they both have a fair amount of confidence. Yeah. They're both roguish. We're all making Poe as the new Han and a lot of things. I think, though, in this day and age, let's say it's now. Okay. On Earth. Coruscant yeah. is here on Earth. I think, <laughs> um, and the ages are the same, I should say. Yeah. It's not 74-year-old Han Solo. <laughs> That's a different question. I, I think Poe would get more phone numbers. Yeah. I think Poe would. Not that Han is antiquated or anything, but there's a little bit of a more self-centered arrogance to Han Solo at the time of the cantina, where Poe is more of a modern, worldly confident. Yeah. And more people are going to be drawn to him at this point, I think. Yeah. I think that uh, sentient beings of all kinds who Mm -hmm. want to have sex with Han Solo Mm -hmm. and or Poe Dameron, they're going to sense the same thing that we do on Earth, of their characters, of the, they're both a little bit of bad boys. Yeah, but if you make a date with Poe, he's going to show up, and maybe he'll be a little roguish on the date. Yeah, and you get the sense that Han is going to show up 15 minutes late. Yeah, being chased by someone, steal your car because he's in trouble, and it's going to be really fun and sexy. But he's just a little. He carries a little bit more actual danger of the yeah. bad boy. Of like, part of his charm is he's always in trouble, yeah. and that's charming. To think about, it's another thing to actually date. So I think people yes. would sense that and go like, Poe's going to call me back. Yeah. This guy's going to lose this card when he gets in a bar fight two seconds from right. now when it comes to Han. Right. Right. My thoughts. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Great, Great question. question. <laughs> Great question. Uh, so uh, last time uh, we did a Finish the Fan Fiction, and uh, I had fun writing one that uh, I realized uh, it was far too long when I had to transcribe it to get it to you. I would lost where I put it because I knew we posted on Facebook. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to put this somewhere so I can email it to Joseph. And I couldn't find it. 
So I had to transcribe it. From listening to yourself. From listening to myself. And that's when I was like, oh, this was too long. More of the ring theory. Yeah, yeah, that was too long. But um, should I, I, I should read it again here, right? Yeah, read it again. All right, so you you and Jennifer had some great answers. We put this on our Facebook page. Uh, But here it is. Uh, It uh, goes as follows. It's canon. It's completely canon. A barrage of laser blasts echoed through the hallways. Fierce and ferocious was a firefight between the hardened Imperials and the ragamuffin rebels. Smoke, debris, and sparks were flying all around, landing on his cape. Yet the Dark Lord of the Sith paid no attention to those pedestrian distractions. Dark Darth Vader was on a mission. A small band of rebels that once terrorized the compliant planet of Lothal were growing in power and braziness. And now they were attempting to join up with a, a bigger cell of dissenters. Vader was here to stop them. He moved through the small frigate's hallways, cutting down so-called freedom fighters like they were the battle droids from his past life. Then he turned into a small chamber. The smoke was heavy. He heard a familiar voice, a tone that not even the Emperor and his dark wizardry could erase. Oh, my, said the Golden Protocol (laughs) droid. Darth Vader and C-3PO were face to face at last. Vader lowered his red blade and said... And then on Facebook, our winner, Justin Walker... Going with a simple, direct joke, which is a spin on a classic line, said, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. <laughs> I love it. It was great. Prequel callback. Simple and classic. Finishes it. He is the maker. Around. Justin, you are a winner. What we do when we do finish the fan fiction, of course, we put it on Facebook and give you the chance to, to enter and win. And what do you win? You win the name being kind of pronounced right. Justin Walker won today. <laughs> One today. We'll do it again sometime. We're not going to do it today because Jennifer's not here. We like to have uh, more than just Joseph and I here for Finish the Fan Fiction. So, uh, Joseph, that's kind of it for today. Yeah, yeah. We um, covered a lot of ground. Covered a lot of ground. That, we both uh, had time to ramble on things close to our hearts. <laughs> and uh, we got to talk about a lot of things and got to say popcorn movie fart podcast a lot of times. <laughs> um, so uh, we uh, put it out to you guys, the fans. Uh, we did the iTunes subscribe, rate, and review push, and you guys did a spectacular job. Uh, we still want you to do that. If you haven't already, go on iTunes and rate and review. It really helps the podcast. But also we're trying to uh, make sure we have uh, you connected with us so so, Joseph, we're asking our people to go to Twitter, if you're on, on Twitter, and follow us at Force Center Pod. That's right. And we realize that it works well if you have a goal. Everything is great. If, if, you know, if you're just a rebellion and you're like, go cause some trouble, yeah. that's not as good as go get the Y-Wings. You want right. a mission. So uh, right now we have uh, just over 1,100 followers on Twitter as we record on mm-hmm. Force Center Pod. And we would love to get that up to 1,500. That is our goal. So I know some people listening may, may don't use Twitter. Maybe give Twitter a try. If you do use Twitter and don't follow us, mm-hmm. please do. Or this might be a reason just to reach out to friends and say, you know what? Even if you don't want to listen to podcasts, <laughs> see how amazing these tweets are and see if you can resist the temptation right. of listening to Force Center. That's right. So please do that again. Follow us at Force Center Pod. Joseph, they can follow you at Joseph Scrimshaw and follow me at Ken Napsack. We've got some stuff coming up, though, locally. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we should talk about Yeah. Yeah, here in L.A. at Stanley's Comic-Con, which was right. renamed from Stanley's Kamikaze. Yeah. It's still Stanley's. Yeah. Uh, but on Saturday of Halloween weekend, we'll be doing a live edition of our new show, Star Wars Counseling, yeah. where we will attempt to make you feel better 
about things in the Star Wars galaxy that upset you. So it'll be me, you, Jennifer, and Mark Ellis is joining us as yeah, well. Yeah, it looks like uh, either Mark, Mark, Christian, Mark Riley, someone from Schmoes. I think we're, they have a panel right after ours. Okay. So I'm going to be able to grab someone <laughs> uh, is what I've been talking to them about. But, yes, yeah, someone from uh, the Jedi Council show will be there. Um, and it's going to be fun. And uh, it's about 4 o'clock, right? Yep, 4 o'clock four that o'clock. Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, come if you're in Los Angeles, come join us there and bring something that upsets you, and we will we will pull you into the light. Right, it's going to be a great time, and come out and see us, and uh, and uh, let's take some pictures. Let's uh, let's uh, celebrate Star Wars together, face to face. Well, that is it for this week, Joseph. We are uh, uh, we are deep in a Rogue One territory. We're That's getting right. so close. Getting so I got my director Orson Krennic pop figure i'm gonna buy a cape it's gonna be great so uh with anything unless you have anything else to say let's Absolutely wrap this not. up guys thanks for listening this has been force center uh don't forget to order some pizza rolls